Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. January 10th, 2016, and as always, I'm here joined at the helm by my co-host and a brother in the martial arts, Sifu Bob Deal. Sifu Bob, how you doing today? Doing well. Uh, last week, El Nino hit a little bit, rain for little bit. a couple rain of straight... Ever. Rain, yeah, we, we got a couple inches in a couple days, uh, wow. and a lot more is both to come and you know for us that's like oh my god that's a lot <laughs> that uh, is a lot of rain for you guys I mean like you know I saw pictures of was it the LA River that like busted its crest and stuff like that I was like whoa that's, that's yeah, scary that's, <laughs> that's bad for us because we're, well, yeah. we're, we're never prepared for it you know no yeah. matter how much they say oh you gotta prepare for it we're like yeah right Weather, the the uh, meteorologists are the only ones that can be wrong 100% of the time and still keep their jobs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I mean. It's, it's like. It's... <laughs> well, see, the meteorologists are, are, the, are, are like in the same boat between L.A. and Seattle. I can mm-hmm. walk outside. Well, it's, in, in Seattle, I can walk outside and go, well. It's sunny right now. <laughs> but yeah, that means it's going to rain. Ten minutes, it's going <laughs> to rain. Yeah, yeah. You know, and here it rains so seldom. Uh huh. Well, about what? It's, I mean, no, I mean, the, I, I was going to say we have a joke about uh, about the, our weather here. We use Mount Rainier, right? So if we see, if we can clearly see Mount Rainier, it's going to rain, and uh, we call that, "Hey, the mountain's out." And then if we don't see the mountain, hey, don't see the mountain today, it's going to rain. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it rains all the time. Okay, now, um, yes. since somebody yeah, like yes, hung up, I just want to rem- yeah, remind our listeners out there, um, our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Um, I just, uh, since I'm talking about it, our uh, special guest today is Soke Greg. Wilderidge, and we're going to open the phone lines at 6.30 to speak with him. Uh, we still have a first segment that we have to do uh, without our guest, and so we'll open the phone lines at 6.30. So if you call in and want to listen to the show, then please, you know, please hang on. Um, I see you, and I'm not ignoring you. <laughs> so don't hang up and go, oh, my God, they're, they're, they're just talking amongst themselves. They're not answering the phone. Well, it's because we're not gonna answer the phone until six thirty. So please hang on and we'll get started with the actual discussion with uh Soke Greg Woldridge a little bit later. Uh and a little bit later we're gonna be talking about the effects of the warrior lifestyle. Um its myths, its realities, ups and downs and some of the other facets of what being a warrior, quote unquote, is. So don't go away don't go away for that. 
All right. That's right. Now, so, I, and they did just go away. They did just hang they up. Just, they figured, they okay, I'll call back. Yeah, and, uh, call back. Because if, if you're going to ignore anybody, you're going to ignore me. You're not ignoring them. <laughs> in no, fact, I there's somebody see. else calling from the, from the same area code that our last call came in. Yeah, and I just and I'll, I'll I'll just say this again. Our phone number is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Our discussion with Greg Woldridge will begin at six thirty or so. We still have a first segment to do. So if you're hanging on the phone line, there, just hang on. Don't hang up and think that we're ignoring you. We're not. We see you. We know you're there. Um, so you know, just hang on, and, and we'll we'll get to you guys. Well, at about Rusty, I got a, I got a question for you. I got a, a very serious question. Did okay. you hear about the pillows made out of corduroy? The pillows made out of corduroy? You mean like the pillowcase yeah. or the inside? No, yeah, I haven't. No, the, yeah, they're making headlines everywhere. Huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well... On that funny note, let's get moving on with the show. It's another birthday week. The the first no, it's not the first real birthday week, but no, it's the it's the end of the first real birthday week in January 2016. So who do you have for birthdays on your side there, Bob? Headline. On my side. <laughs> I <laughs> Well, <laughs> I was so too. When I saw that joke today, I went, "Oh my god, when I was a kid, corduroy was a fashion." I had I corduroy I pants. Loved, I loved my corduroy pants. I did. I loved them. And my uh, big collar shirt. We have, oh, yeah, the big collar shirt, corduroy jackets, you bet. Okay, yeah. for birthdays this week, there there are some birthdays this week. Four people who have actually been on the show with us. The first right one, on. one of our first guests ever three years ago, Sensei Chris Kadamian. His birthday is on the 12th. Uh, Sifu. Master, Randy Williams, Wing Chun Master. His birthday is on the 13th. Our dear friend, crew, Lisa King, ambassador to the Master Hall of Fame and has been a guest on the show. Her birthday is on the 14th. Master, Burton Richardson out of Hawaii. His birthday is on the 15th. And my last one is Grandmaster, Kokoi Kenyette. His birthday is on the 11th, and he's turning a whopping 84 years old and can mm-hmm. still swing a stick like nobody else in the world. Mm, that's right. That's right. No one can touch him. <laughs> no one can touch him. All right. Um, on my end, um, also on the 11th, um, I'd like to send a shout-out to a, a fellow whip-cracking lady friend, Naomi Damien. Birthday's on the 11th. And... There's this guy, no joke, whose name is Rusty De Jesus. No joke. He's a dude living in the Philippines, and I don't know if we're related or not. But uh, apparently somebody, one of my friends, tried friending him or some other Rusty De Jesus, thinking it was me. And some guy would, you know, <laughs> some guy would, would, uh, would text him back and go, hey, thanks for the, thanks for the friend request. <laughs> and my friends are like, who the hell are you? <laughs> but anyway, I decided to friend them. I decided to friend one of them just just because I thought it was cool. All right. Also on the 11th, one of my students, Alex Reed, and a Kajukembo Fairclocks Method classmate of mine, Carl Hinkson, also on the 11th. Okay. On the 12th, we've got um, 
Justin Martin, I'm like, I was almost reading the 15th there. Justin Martin on the 12th. Sensei Sonny Jones also on the 12th. A friend of mine, Bruce Saloff. And, uh, you know, I think I put Maya Naima on the wrong date. I have her under the 12th, but I think her birthday is really on the 14th. So happy birthday, Maya. Um, I also want to send a wonderful hug and happy birthday to my half-sister, Marcy Crum. You know, screw the half-sister term. She's a sister. She's been there since I was born. So she's my she's my full-on sister. Her birthday's on the 15th. And Maestro Jeanette Acostinez, her birthday's on the 16th. So for everyone having a birthday the week of January 10th through the 17th, whoops, 16th, sorry, this tune is for you. and I forgot to put them on the notes. So I'm sorry, Bob. Do you have any announcements today? And I, and I have no announcements. Oh, well then. All right. Back to the health news. <laughs> all right. I've got spelled, screen, but true health tips. Now, I don't know if we're going to have time for me to do all 12. I'm going to try to get through some of these as quick as I can. But if I don't get through all of them, I'll post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook group. And the Facebook fan page. All right. So something that will give you a better nap. You actually have to drink coffee. That's right. You have you, you want to drink coffee to have a better nap. Now let me explain because it sounds like sounds like bullshit, right? In a Japanese study that examined how to make the most of a nap, people who took a quote unquote coffee nap consuming about 200 milligrams of caffeine, that's that's the same amount in about mm, one or two cups of coffee, and then immediately taking a 20-minute rest, felt more alert and performed better on computer tests than those who only took a nap. Now, why does this work? It's like caffeine is supposed to jack you up, right? Well, a 20-minute nap, and just as the caffeine kicks in and clears the brain of a molecule called adenosine, maximizing alertness. Now, adenosine is a byproduct of wakefulness and activity, says Alan Tofai, MD, the medical director of New York Neurology and Sleep Medicine. As adenosine levels increase, we become more fatigued. Fatigued, sorry. Napping clears out the adenosine, and when combined with caffeine, an adenosine blocker itself, it further reduces its effect and amplifies the effect of a nap. Isn't that weird? Coffee. That is so weird. Coffee before a nap. But, you know, it kind of makes sense because, you know, you drink the coffee. It doesn't, like, hit you 
immediately like nicotine does. It kind of has to, it has to, you know, go through your stomach. It's got to like get absorbed through your stomach. It's got to go through your bloodstream. So 15, 20 minutes, that makes sense. You take your nap, you wake up and you're good to go. Okay. I've got an excuse for my power naps here at the studio. (laughs) All right. Now for healthy teeth, don't brush. Mm -hmm. It says here, don't brush your teeth immediately after meals and drinks, especially if they were acidic, acidic foods such as citrus, fruits, sports drinks, tomatoes, soda, that kind of thing, can soften your tooth enamel and make it like wet sandstone. Brushing your teeth at this stage can speed up the acid's effect on your enamel and erode the layer underneath. Dentists suggest waiting 30 to 60 minutes before brushing. Weird. Weird. Get that, folks? Pretty wild. Okay, number three, to wear a smaller size, gain weight. That's right, you gain weight. But that's muscle weight, folks. Now, for example, if two women both weigh 150 pounds and only one of them lifts weights, the lifter will more likely fit into a smaller size pants than her sedentary counterpart. Likewise, a 150-pound woman who lifts weights could very well wear the same size as a 140-pound woman who doesn't exercise. The reason, although a pound of fat, sorry, although a pound of fat weighs the same as a pound of muscle, muscle itself takes up less space, says Mark Nutting, fitness director of Seiko Sports and Fitness in Seiko, Maine. He says you can get bigger muscles and get smaller overall if you lose the fat. The bulk so many women fear only occurs if you don't lose fat and develop muscle on top of it. Cut back on the calories and add weight to your workout to lose inches. Pretty wild. All right. <clears throat> I'll, do, I'll just do a couple more so we can move forward. Okay. To eat less, you have to eat more. Grabbing a 100-calorie snack pack of cookies or pretzels may seem virtuous, but it's more likely to make you hungrier than if you ate something more substantial, says uh, Amy Goodson, RD, who is a dietitian for Texas Health, Ben Hogan Sports Medicine. She says, eating small amounts of carbohydrates does nothing but spike your blood sugar and leave you wanting more carbs. Goodson recommends choosing a protein such as peanut butter or string cheese with an apple. She says they are higher in calories per serving, but the protein and fat helps you get full faster and stay full longer, and you end up eating fewer calories overall. Okay. Last, so I'm I'm just gonna do six, and I'll post the whole article so you, everyone can get the all twelve of these strange but true health facts on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook group and the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. All right, actually, I think this is number seven, but oh well. Okay, skip energy drinks when you're tired. Says here, energy drinks contain up to five times more caffeine than coffee. Five times, folks, but they. But the boost they provide is fleeting and comes with an unpleasant side effect, namely nervousness, irritability, and rapid heartbeat. Plus, energy drinks can often contain high levels of taurine, a central nervous system stimulant, and upwards of 50 grams of sugar per can. That's like 13 teaspoons. 13 teaspoons, folks. I know, right? Imagine taking a teaspoon, putting it in a thing of white sugar and putting it in your mouth. Okay, swallow it down. That ain't so bad, but try 12 more. Yeah. 
Anyway, the sweet stuff spikes blood sugar temporarily only to crash soon afterwards, leaving you sluggish and foggy-headed and reaching for another energy drink. So those just stick with water. Anyway, so that's uh, six or seven of 12 strange but true health facts, and uh, I'll post the rest of them on our Facebook page in a little bit. Now, with that all out of the way, let's get on to... Oh, let me hit the button again. Weird News. Uh, Weird News. What do we got? Now, I did this for two reasons. One is that this story is down by me, and this has to do with Domino's. Now my my son delivers for Domino's now. A Domino's pizza delivery man stabbed a customer after arguing over a late order, according to police. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Michael Charles Parker, 31 of Glendora, was arrested for allegedly stabbing the 20-year-old victim after what police described as an altercation over the extended delay of a pizza delivery. That's crazy. One thing, one thing. What is a 31-year-old guy doing delivering pizzas unless he owns the store? <laughs> you know, okay, I'm going to go ahead and clear that up because, you know, my my, my old business partner, Cheryl, she was um, a field manager for Domino's Pizza. And you'd be surprised at how many uh, or how many types of people work as drivers for Domino's. I mean, you had like old guys, you know, like 60, 70 years old driving for Domino's. You had like the very young, you know, 17, 18 year olds. You had the single moms that would, you know, that would have like babysitters drop off their kids at the store, like toward the end of their shift and stuff like that. Um, So I don't put it past them. You know, I know Cheryl delivered too, you know, well up until I think she was like, she was, she kept going back to Domino's um, a, a couple times. Um, just to help out, and so yeah, she was about. I think she was about thirty-two when she like completely stopped pizza altogether. But anyhow, wow. So, <laughs> so he stabs a guy. He, he stabs a guy. He lives in Glendora, uh, according to the Covina Police Department. The victim received non-life-threatening injuries to his wrist and neck during the incident in Covina, California, at around eleven thirty oh. p.m. Sat Saturday, two thirty a.m. Uh, Eastern Time Sunday. He was transported to a local trauma center, according to a statement from the Covina Police Department. Officers contacted Parker at the pizza shop where he worked. He was arrested on suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon, booked and released after he posted bail of $30,000. He is set (laughs) to be arraigned on March 21st. Tim McIntyre, Vice President of Communications and Public Relations at Domino's, said in an email to NBC News that Parker was an employee of an independent franchise owner Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there is an ongoing police investigation. Uh, We have nothing to offer at this time, he said. Wow. 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 You know, I'm sorry. If somebody's going to have that kind of an anger problem, they shouldn't be driving. At all, they I mean, should they shouldn't not be, be driving. interacting with public. Well, exactly. I mean, and or driving, you know, they they should not be interacting uh, interacting with the public. That's right. But well, it's good. It's good to know that that guy's a, that that uh, victim is okay. That's 
that's just so wild. Uh, that is all wild, right. That is wild. Okay. All right. Here we go. Entertainment, entertainment news. news. There is a place in entertainment news you've actually seen. We we both yes. saw it together. We saw the outside of the wall. The Playboy mm-hmm. Mansion. The backdrop of some of the wildest parties ever thrown in L.A. is for sale. Huh. The six-acre Holmby Hills Estate, built in 1927, will be listed sometime within the next month. Our real estate sources say the owner, Playboy Enterprises, is looking to get somewhere north, get this, somewhere north of $200 million. What? Real estate, yeah, real estate sources with knowledge of the area say the owners are dreaming when it comes to price. They say the reality is the house is a teardown and the real value is the acreage and and that a comparable lot sold recently in the area for $60 million. But the sources say because of its history, the mansion could go from anywhere between 80 and $90 million. Hmm. Our, The sources say they believe that people at Playboy Enterprises Will come back down to reality and list the, real, the and list the estate at a realistic number. There are several strings attached. We're huh. told whoever buys it will be required to give Hugh Hefner a life estate, meaning <laughs> he can he can continue to live in the mansion until he dies. <laughs> As, as, the, she, as for the other thing, they are insane. <laughs> I know. Let, let's say he gets the. Let's say he gets a hundred million for it. He can't afford right. to go out and buy another house. Okay, so well, here's the thing. Okay, so does does half own Playboy Enterprises, or is Playboy Enterprises kind of like, you know, the government behind the emperor? You know what I mean? Because I was I was gonna say if somebody buys the estate. Aren't they entitled to free occupation of the mansion? I mean, who's going to like want to? Yeah, I mean, who's going to want to buy something like that to move in, knowing that Hef is like on the third floor in his bedroom or something like that? You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like I don't know. I you know, (laughs) and does that include like his staff? You know, you know, are the buyers required to make sure that the staff gets paid? I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm curious right. now. But go on. Well, please. the other string is that prospective buyers can tour the property, but one area is off limits. Half's bedroom. Wow, I don't know about that. That's uh. I that's, know, you right? Would, and, you would and, think he would be able to buy like a I don't know, like a I don't know, like a eight hundred thousand dollar flat some you know somewhere you know or a ranch house somewhere that's or or a whole damn ranch yeah right right he he can buy whatever he wants you know but i I found out there's another there's another house that you actually went by with me bob hope's house is on the market now they're asking 23 million for it yeah it's on five and a half acres it has two pools one indoor one outdoor it has a full, one-hole, part three golf course. Wow, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, eight bedrooms. It has two houses. It's on four parcels of land. He moved there in, like, mm-hmm. 
nine. Mm-hmm. And he probably paid a million dollars for it. Not probably yeah. not even that. It's probably not by even the that. time he was done. He, he, yeah, he probably more than likely paid about fifty grand for it. Yeah, back then. probably. You know, and and I just wanna I right. just wanna put a shout out out there to the the Bob Deal Hollywood tours because I think it's more fun than getting on a bus and 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 doing a tour. So if any of our listeners and friends are ever in the Burbank area, the same time I am, and if Bob has a free day. We should just all pitch in and rent a van and have Bob take us on the personalized tour. Because I tell you what, he knows where he's going. He knows the shortcuts. And and he's not going to talk your ear off over a microphone like other bus drivers do. So That, that was sort of cool, though, because we went and saw Steve Carell's house, Bob Hope's house, uh, Miley yep. and Billy Ray Cyrus's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the museum thing. We, we had some fun when you were out here. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. All right. Very cool. I don't think I have anything else after the entertainment news, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a short four-minute break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Soke Greg Woldridge, and we're going to be talking about the effects of the warrior lifestyle. So if you are a martial artist, uh, a member of our esteemed military um, or police force, or anything like that, or or you just want to give your input on what you think a warrior is, um, give us a call, 347-677-0699. All right, don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. this little Burbank building. This is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, <coughs> every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial arts. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and He doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai, 
to the artistry of anime. Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is Tito Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Okie dokie. Are back. Thanks for tuning back in to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And we're going to be talking to Soke Greg Woldridge about the effects of the warrior lifestyle. So if you're someone um, that wants to call in and uh, talk a little bit about how you view the warrior lifestyle, um, doesn't matter if you're a martial artist, a member of the military, on the police force, It doesn't matter. We want to hear from you guys because we're going to be talking about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, um, the myths and realities of the way of the warrior. So with that said, I'm going to turn the mic over to Sifu Bob, who will introduce our special guest because you guys are totally best friends. So let's, let's get this fun show on the road. Wonderful. Well, keep your mic muted until I finish my introduction. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Just those things. Maybe <laughs> off the wall, right? Yeah. Well, no, we've been I friends for a long time. Mic. I forgot oh. my mic was live when I went back from the green room, and I was coughing. I had like a coughing fit, and I realized that my mic was on. <laughs> I was like, oops. Anyway. <laughs> but we've Go been ahead. friends for a long time. Uh, bodyguard, cop. Uh, you name it, he's done it. Some of his clients were Sharon Stone, Michael Jackson, Elizabeth Taylor, Quincy Jones, and the list goes on and on and on. And believe it or not, he's actually an adequate martial artist. Now, of course, <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am probably the only Thank one for that. in the country. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is why I asked you to keep his mic muted. <laughs> I am yeah. I am the only, I am probably the only one on the planet who has ever said that without getting his ass kicked. <laughs> oh, I'm a sweetheart, you know that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Soki Greg. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Happy to be here. Right on. Happy New Year to to you yeah. and uh, all the listeners and everyone on. Uh, your side of the your side of the coast. Yeah, you're on the east coast. That's right. I'm on the mid. I'm, I'm Chicago. I'm mid. I'm in the you're middle. In the of middle. The Midwest. Midwest. Kind yeah, of. Okay, Midwest. Yeah. Got it. See, you know, one of these days, I'll, we're just gonna have to come out to Chicago. And there you go. There you go. There you go. That that way, I'll know where the Midwest is. All right. So uh, just a second ago, it's okay, Greg. I was telling the listeners that we're gonna be talking about. Um, the warrior lifestyle and the effects of living the warrior lifestyle, whether good, 
um, or not. So, you know, to start off, um, I mean, we know that you've got like such an extensive martial art experience and this is no joke listeners. I mean, this guy has a more like ap- application experience with mar- with his martial arts than many of us have in our little finger, right? I mean, you know, and you know, this is why I, I love Soke Greg on our show because when we're talking about the reality of the fight um, and the warrior lifestyle, Soke Greg lives it. So, Soke, can you tell our listeners what your definition of what the warrior lifestyle is? So that way our listeners can get a feel for where you are on that. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Seafood and I have had ser- uh, several discussions about the martial arts and relationship to the mm-hmm. warrior life and the price that comes with the warrior mm-hmm. lifestyle. You mm-hmm. know, um, one of the challenges, I think, that as senseis and as shions and as instructors who, you know, endeavor to do our best to pass on the art, one of the challenges we have and have had up to this date is that we prepare people for the conflict well. But what we don't do is help them to deal with the aftermath after. Mm, and, I can, uh-huh. and, and you know, the issue is it's kind of like sometimes I relate it to giving a child a loaded gun and sending them into the world, and then when it goes wrong, not talking to them or helping them or giving them any mechanisms to process what's happening. Um Self-defense, the application of self-defense, the dealing of threats is only one aspect of conflict. The psychology of conflict has to be a totality or a total perspective where mm-hmm. you understand that it's not just me getting into the shooting or getting into the, a fight with a knife or a stick or a multiple-man encounter or bodyguarding somebody where you're doing similar issues. Um, the act itself is one part of it. But what we don't talk about is the aftermath. And how do you sleep at night? How do you go back home to your family after going through the violence that you that you went through? Mm-hmm. So I mean so the topic has been that and I mean humbly to everybody out there. And I don't have I don't I do not have the corner on the market as far as being a warrior. There are far more people out there that have done more than I have and you know and, and the simple truth is that it doesn't take someone going through countless encounters to develop um, traumatic responses. Sometimes it can be a person going through one encounter, but it's so traumatic that it alters mm-hmm. their life. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is what, do, what do we do with it and how do we process it? Because the problem is we're not taught to. You know, in mm-hmm. the warrior life, we're, we're taught to choke it down. You know, we're taught... Mm-hmm. You know, we don't talk about certain things. The truth is most people don't want to hear it, you know. Right. You know, so and we hate to say that, but it's it's true. You know, um, you know, so what happens is as a warrior, depending upon your life, and I mean a professional warrior who's getting paid um, to put his behind on the line on a daily basis, a yearly basis, year in, year out for countless years where it's not just this, you know, a couple of days here, a couple of days here. I'm talking about a lifestyle of paying your bills with your mm-hmm. hands, paying your mm-hmm. bills by walking into the mix, and many times not knowing if you're going to come out of the mix. You know, these things have great impact upon us. And the problem is in the martial arts, we are not prepared to help our students 
um, deal with this. And it's mm-hmm. not done. It's not done. It's not acceptable. And this is kind of why Bob and I talk about this quite a bit, is because it's time for us to have some honest discussions. It's time for some right. days. And, and masters to to understand that it's not just about teaching people how to punch and kick. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility to our students to prepare them for the aftermath of, right. of, of violence. And if you're the one who survives the violence and somebody else doesn't, when you go home to your family and your girlfriend or wife says, hey, honey, how was your day? Well, what am mm-hmm. I going to say to her? Okay. And then how do I go back to the dojo and teach tomorrow and and bring the right attitude and with what I'm teaching. If I haven't dealt with what I what has happened, and by choking it down, meaning I just choke it down. You don't talk about it. We pretend it doesn't happen. I'm okay. No problems. And right. that is a ticking time bomb. And it's a time bomb that we in the martial arts community. I my, I humbly, I humbly believe that we need to start dealing with this because I'm the, I'm one of these people that, that needed the assistance and didn't get it. And mm-hmm. and when I say I had hard times, I had hard times. So it came back on me like a like a whip cracking in my forties. You know, I've been mm-hmm. in the warrior world, you know, since I was nineteen, twenty bouncing bars and started bodyguarding at twenty five. I bounced every bar you can think of throughout the country from Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. Full time. That was how I paid the bills. You know, where you fight uh-huh. three, four, five, six times a night. Every night you worked, depending upon where you worked. Then I became a cop in L.A. We started bodyguarding at 25 as well, and were, had a chance of working in a great, great city in Inglewood. Uh, great PD, hot city. And, uh, you know, and you see a lot of things, and you just realize that. You know, you're better off sometimes choking everything down than letting people know you're in trouble. So, I mean, that's uh-huh. just off the tip, kind of what the topic is about. Uh-huh. Now, now, Greg, I do have a question, though, for you. How can somebody qualify themselves to be able to talk somebody down if they have, let's say, they're a teacher? Cause we're, we're not like you. We, we're not going out bodyguarding and copying and everything else. How do we have, How do we gain the qualifications to be able to, to talk a student down like that. It takes somebody like you to be able to do that. Am I right or well, wrong? No. Not at all. I mean, I think you're, I think that's a fantastic question. And mm-hmm. I think it's a mm-hmm. question that every sensei and every sifu um, out there who is teaching should, should really be thinking about. So, you know, how do you, how do you prepare? Well, you know what? The truth is, it's about just being there, being in the moment, being responsive mm-hmm. to the needs, the needs of, of your students and you know let's say you have a student that comes in your school with a black eye Mm -hmm. well you know what it would behoove me to ask him or just approach him and make sure he's okay was there something that happened you know Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised that if you simply ask the question very often students and people in general if they if they really believe that you care they might talk to you and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't, you know, and the truth is we don't have to have all the answers because I don't really think there are answers. I don't really believe that any one person or anything has has cornered the market on the answers of this incredibly deep topic that I don't think anybody can, has really encapsulated yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm certainly not the one to do that. But I'm just a believer that recognizing the, the power of the censorship, that, that of being mm-hmm. responsible 
for others. And, you know, and, and this this really does go back to a topic that, you know, we look at the McDojo world today where people are selling black belts like it's candy and you know, black belts just don't right. mean a lot anymore. <laughs> and it's about the business. It's about the money. But what uh-huh. many sensei's have forgotten is that when their student goes out and has to use what they've been taught and it fails, uh-huh. they bear uh-huh. respons- that instructor bears responsibility for what he sent that student out there knowing. That student right. is going to use what he was taught. And if that's not uh-huh. properly taught, if it's not, if it's not um, encapsulated in the right psychology and the right perspective, it could get him killed, it could get his family killed, and that's, that instructor just goes on teaching as if it was not his responsibility. So I think it begins with every instructor realizing that we are accountable to what we teach our uh-huh. students. We just don't mm-hmm. teach them what we want because we want to keep the paycheck, where we want to keep the lights right. on. We don't want to piss them off because they might not like it, and they might go down and make dojo down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so we give them what they want instead of what they need. So right. it, it, begin, it begins with, I think, all of us taking responsibility for what we're teaching, how we're teaching, why we're teaching, and making sure that we're adapting it to the student, not the student to the art, not the student to the uh-huh. concept. It's all about the students. And you uh-huh. know, and at the same time making sure that that we are doing our part to do a little bit of reading, to have the discussions that we're having right now. To at least uh-huh. acknowledge that this is a topic that bears discussion. And and I think other people have different views. A lot of people think this is all corn syrup and it really just doesn't matter. But if you live my life, if you live many people that I know's lives. This uh-huh. isn't. This is the heart of the issue. And uh-huh. how do we how do we as teachers through reading, through exposing ourselves, but more importantly uh-huh. to just being present to the people around us, listening to our students, looking at them. Are we really paying attention to the people around us? And are we asking uh-huh. the right questions when we are present with them, because a lot of it is just being there and being in the moment and being tangible for that student to talk to, whether it's divorce, whether it's assault, whether it's just an illness. It doesn't matter. The last thing I care about in the martial arts is teaching somebody how to punch and kick. That is not what this is about for me, all right? Mm -hmm. Punching and kicking are merely the stepping stones for us to help people to be better people. The tool does not matter. It's the application and the life that matters. So I think, you know, and it's a broad, deep topic, and that's a topic that, you know, that I really think doesn't get talked about much, and it's time for artists to start reading and, and exposing themselves to more uh, information so that they can better prepare their students in the future. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, you, you know, know it's, I, I just, that's awesome. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, is, that yeah. is awesome. Go ahead. Uh, and the part I don't agree with, Greg, is that the fact is that so many artists are just in a punch and kick mode. They, yeah. If, if, yeah. If, they, if they teach the throat grab or something like that, they don't teach the application. I had a drunk one time it cost me, and he was drunk as hell. I, I moved my feet. I went around him. What, was I going to trash this drunk guy? No. Right. But, people in, but teachers in the dojo, unlike yourself, will not teach the applications and the escalation of force from dealing with a, a guy who's an idiot and a guy who wants to take your life. Right, yeah, right. That's, that's, that's very true, Sifu. And, you know, what you got, I think what we all have to realize 
is that, you know, when, we, when the responsibility that comes with what we teach is life and death. We deal with every scale. We deal with conversation to light touch, from light touch to medium touch, medium touch to heavy touch, to heavy touch to lethal touch. Um, but with all of that comes the psychology of conflict, and that psychology has to be under, has to be about being clear about what's the price for you if you fail. Right. You live in a world today that people they talk about. You talk to the average citizen today and ask him about the martial arts, and he'll talk to you about MMA. Uh-huh. MMA ain't got nothing to do with the martial arts. MMA is nice, it's fun, it's a sport, I love it. There's a referee, it's a one-on-one, there's no multiple men, there's no guns, there's no knives. You're not going to get killed out there because you've got people that are there to stop you. There are rules in place to make sure you don't get killed. That's mm-hmm. not the street. That's not the real world. We, we live mm-hmm. in a multiple-man environment. We live in a weapon environment, a knife, a gun. We live in an environment where you miss step, you miss a beat, and it's your life. If it's mm-hmm. not your life, it's your client's life. If it's not your client's life, it's your loved one's life. And guess what? There is no sensei to say, hey, let's go work on this next week so you can rematch. There is no rematch because somebody's dead. Right. This is a reality that people need to start being aware of. I love mm-hmm. the sport environment. I'm not slamming MMA. They're fantastic athletes, and I love them. But let me tell you something, everybody. You fight the way you train. I'm going to say that right. again. You fight the way you train. Mm-hmm. And if you are not training with knives or guns, if you're not dealing with multiple men, you're not going to be able to deal with knives or guns or multiple men because there is no recipe to being a hero. Nobody's that tough. We're all made of mm-hmm. flesh and bone. Every top champion you've ever met, take an eye, he doesn't see. Take the throat, mm-hmm. he doesn't breathe. I don't care who you are. We're all human. So I just think the idea that this is a psychology that people are afraid of the liability. That's why they don't talk about it. Many people just don't know. They think that because they're champion fighters that they understand what the street self-defense reality is. Exactly. Oh, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. I was going to chime in and go, oh, don't get me started, but thank you. (laughs) I hear you. I I hear you. Yeah, so, you know, the idea, that, but that's not taking anything away from the no. fantastic athletes who we watch on television. I love these yeah. guys. But I do, what too. they do, they are, yeah, but you know what? Do you know, I wouldn't put any of those guys on a bodyguard team. None of them. Do you know why? Can they drive a car? Some of, them, some of these guys were bodyguards before they stepped in the ring. That's different. Mm-hmm. But for the majority, being a professional, you've got to be multi-talented, multi-versatile. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to step into a life, and I mean life and death, where there is no tomorrow, okay? Mm-hmm. There isn't anybody that can come help you and save you. You've got to be able to drive a car. You've got to be, able to, you got to be as good with a gun as you are with your hands, as good with a knife as you are with a gun. You had better understand threat assessments. You had better understand a great many talents that, guess, that punching bags and hitting mitts are not going to get you. So mm-hmm. when we talk about, you know, this issue of the aftermath and the consequences of the warrior life, it's not about the fight itself. Because mm-hmm. fighting is simple for those of us who are born to do it. Dominating another human body is a simple act, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the consequence comes not in the one conflict in the real world. 
But for every one real encounter you get into, there's probably ten other almost mm-hmm. that happened before that one encounter. So the issue is it's the almost that get you. It's that you're always on the razor's edge. Mm-hmm. You're never off. Mm-hmm. You never get a chance to really chill and relax because for that one time people see you fight, they think that fight or that street encounter is what jaded you. No, mm-hmm. it really wasn't. It was probably all of the almost that added mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. to a constant right. realm of encounter, and you're in a constant state of tension and fear, and people say you're not in fear. And you know what? Well, fear has many faces, but let me tell you, when you're in the mix, your body is ramped, and you mm-hmm. live in that ramped environment. So, you know, I think people need to get clear about what the topic is and what the environment is that we're talking about. Right. Right. Definitely. Now, I've got to step in and remind our callers, because we do have a couple online. If you don't press one, we don't know that you want to talk to us. We might. Right. We think you may be listening. Mm-hmm. So if you want to if you want to talk to Silky Greg, make sure you press one or talk to any one of us. Okay, go ahead. And Rusty. we're waiting. Oh, um, so and uh, we're waiting. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, and I'm waiting for people to press one. Um, so a little bit ago, um, uh, we were uh, you had touched on um, what warriors uh, should fo- they should focus on uh, that they should also. Let me. I'm trying to go through my notes here. You touched on that the the, the fighters sh- shouldn't just focus on the punch and kick. Um, so would yeah. it be safe to would it be safe to say so uh, okay that warriors or people that live the warrior lifestyle um, should focus not only on just the physical one two three techniques but also the physical and mental aspects of what happens what happens after an encounter whether violent or not i mean a lot of people i met i met a guy it's kind of a short story i met a guy a couple months ago <laughs> we were actually in a in a uh, store uh cashier line and he was talking to his buddy about uh about like ufc and stuff like that so i turned around and i'm like oh you know do you, do you guys like ufc and the other guy goes, yeah, you know, I do BJJ. And I go, oh, okay, have you been in any competition? So we got a little bit of, you know, uh, small talk. And the other guy chimed in because the uh, the guy that does BJJ mentioned that he did karate for a while. And the other guy goes, oh, karate's bullshit. You know, <laughs> you, you should just stick with you should just stick with BJJ because you know that's the way the fight goes. And oh my god, and that, I had to bite my I had to moron. bite my tongue. Yeah, I had to bite my tongue because I almost said, and you know this how. But I didn't. I just kind of went, yeah. But I did ask yeah. him, though, how many well, fights? Well, you know, I respond to that. You know, the psychology here is that people equate self-defense to the physical act. Mm-hmm, self-defense mm-hmm. is not about the physical act. It's a psychological impact that yes, expresses sir. through the physical act. Okay? Mm-hmm. Get clear about what this is. Yes, sir. People talk about... This is karate sucks. That's horseman work. Martial karate has been around for how many years now? How long is yeah, think right? about it? <laughs> we can talk about all these back to Sansu, back to 800 years ago, the Chinese general. Okay, 
All right, we could talk about that martial slavery, that concept being around a very long time. And the only reason it's passed on is because somebody took responsibility and passed it on to the next generation. But the idea that one system sucks and another one is better is, is a futile thought process. Just think about self-defense in realms. I look at self-defense in four basic realms, long distance, the gap, body mm-hmm. on body, and the ground. Mm-hmm. You as a practitioner and I need to be well-versed in all realms. So if I'm in a long-distance realm, it's good for me to know how to throw a front kick and a side kick and a roundhouse kick and a good side mm-hmm. kick. If I'm in the gap realm, it's good for me to be able to throw an elbow, a knee, right? It's good for me mm-hmm. to be able to use that mid-range. If I'm going on a body-on-body where we're at a phone booth now and we crashed in the middle, i got to be able to use the grapple concept to dominate your body while I still use my, middle, my mid-range techniques to impact and destruct you. So I now bring the, gap, the grapple and the strike together. Same thing when we go to the ground. It becomes a, a, a ground game or a ground fight that one is about dominating position, dominating space, dominating his body, but at the same time, ripping and tearing soft tissue at every turn. Strike, yeah. Everything is about grapple, strike, grapple, rip, grapple, tear. Um, and then how do I get back up from the ground back up? Because the last place I want to be in the real world is on the ground. Because yeah. when you're with your girl... <laughs> Yeah, you're with your child walking through a parking lot, and you take somebody to the ground to go fight. Well, who's stopping his two friends from snatching your kid and throwing him in a van? Mm-hmm. Who's stopping them from grabbing your girl because you, like a dummy, jumped at the decoy? They pulled mm-hmm. you off, and they decoyed to grab your woman. I mm-hmm. mean, guys, wake up. All right, leave your ego at home. You walk right. out these streets, you better walk out here professionally prepared, understanding that you have to understand that if I go to the ground, it's because I slipped and fell. It is not because I chose to go there. And anybody that says all fights go to the ground has not been in many fights or he's not very good at the fight. I've been mm-hmm. in more fights than I can tell you more than most. And I have never been taken to the ground yet. Okay, mm-hmm. now that's because I also am an avid BJJ guy, so I understand how to defend the takedown, I understand my base, I understand positioning, I understand the physicality of conflict that allows me to implement the technique that I want to implement. So, mm-hmm. you know, the issue is understanding that the psychology isn't about the technique, and the problem is we think about as martial artists, we think about the punch and the kick and who has the faster punch and who has the prettier kick. It's just a trick. Right. Who cares? A punch is a punch is a punch is a punch. It just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. A tool, it, I, we, want, we, we train to develop a toolbox. And we very simply, for based on the circumstances, we just reach into the toolbox and pull out the appropriate tool. I don't care if it's a kick, a punch, a knee, a grapple, an arm bar, a choke. I don't really care what the te- what the tool is. I have a toolbox uh-huh. well prepared. I commit to the circumstance that my training take over, and whatever the tool is necessary for the moment, that's what I'm going to pull to. So the uh-huh. focus is you can't learn the, the, the long-distance game if you don't know and understand the karate flavor. You're not going to learn the uh-huh. grapple game. And the ground game, if you are, if you don't have an understanding of the BJJ flavor, mm-hmm. and your ability to merge those two together 
bring about a, a, a capability that gives you the flexibility to adjust and deal with whatever comes your way at any time. But we right. all understand that nobody's unbeatable. Nobody's unstoppable. But hopefully if we prepare well and we commit openly to the circumstances, we end up surviving the encounter. Right. Well, I have another question. Let, I have another question. Oh, okay. Let's bring on a caller real quick. Let's bring on area code 909. You are on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? It's Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, what's up, Tony? What's up, Soki, Sifu? Hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, um, I I had to tune in. Uh, Hold on a sec. Okay. I had to tune in, you know, because I see you guys all the time. I just miss the show whenever Soki's on. And Silky covers every point so well and gets more and more articulate all the time. And, you know, I feel like he's with me all the time when I'm teaching. But, you know, I I do find this battle in uh, being a sensei and uh, of Case Wando and, and the reality and, and my experience and the speed of how mm-hmm. things happen and, and how to translate that, the balance of between people get caught up in learning the tools like like uh right. like he said it's like and and yeah you 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 learn all these tools okay but where is the social permission of when to launch when to right. position yourself when to uh. when to get out you know uh, uh it's very hard to teach and uh i find people get scared um when you start getting that intense and they don't want to hear about it they right. they want to just punch really? and kick they want to earn their belt, um, and and I respect that. And and so, what do you do with those students? Well, yeah, you you just um, okay. They're a martial artist. They're not going to be, you know, hope to God they're not going to be in that situation. But mm-hmm. as you said, as a responsibility as a sensei, if they get hurt, you know, you find that line like, well, shit. Well, do I tell them? Well, you're not doing it good enough, or you know, you know, you find that line. It's. Uh, it's um, it's a learning process for me as a sensei, and as Sophie said a long time mm-hmm. ago, for me, Tony, you got to stop thinking as a fighter. You got to start thinking as a sensei, and it's so true right. because I can't I can't make them me. You know, I I can't. Uh, um, they're not mm-hmm. going to be maybe as fast as me. They're not going to have my experience. They're not going to have my temperament, my mentality, my uh, sensitive uh, sensitivity to the situation, which I, I find Sophie is his overall strength is how he tunes into knew any situation. I hadn't seen him for ever at times, and he knows exactly what's going on with me. I mean, <laughs> and I know that translates to the streets. I know it does because it translates with me how sensitive I am, how much force should I use, um, and I find that uh, I'm grateful for that, uh, to have that in me um, naturally, I think, and then through experience. And Silky's helped me come along in that way. But I find it very hard as a sensei to keep the real practicality, the reality. Uh, right. Because I've seen some ugly things, and uh, and it's it happens so fast. It, well, it you know, I just, so you know, Tony, wow. I've known you as long as I've known you now, and, you know, you guys, this guy, Tony here, you talk about a guy that's been through some hard, hardcore street life experiences. I mean, the guy should, could damn near write a book if he wanted to. And, you know, um, so this is, I mean, this is gospel. I'm really respecting what you're saying, Tony. But, you know, I, 
you brought up a point, well, you know, people get scared, and sometimes they don't want it. But what you have to remember is that people are always in the evolutionary process. We get them on one day. They may be scared today, but next week they might not be. So what we do is what we're doing, we spoon feed those mm-hmm. that need what they that growth process, and we move them in inches, sometimes centimeters. But mm-hmm. if they keep training before they know it, they are ready for that psychology because we've moved them in that direction. It wasn't one big move or one big change that we expect of people. It's that, you know, we don't adapt the student to the art. We adapt the art to the student. So Amen. what happens is you get that, 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 that gentle, subtle person who has never fought in their lives and doesn't even think they can. But next mm-hmm. thing you know, in two years of training, they are very different people because now they see more of who they are than they ever knew existed. And that mm-hmm. came because of the experience of the martial arts. And if you focus on the tool, their emphasis is the tool. But if you use the tool to help temper the steel, to help, and mm-hmm. they're the steel, the tool is just a tool. So what happens mm-hmm. is their relationship to the technique is, as I believe, becomes more appropriate. And right. we do it in small bites. And you know, there's a saying, everybody, how do you eat the elephant? One bite at a time. Right. Okay? And that's, and, and that's how we eat. That's, you're not going to eat the elephant in one bite. And many people try. But it's just mm-hmm. simple just to let people be who they are, allow them to, to grow in their own way, but still give them what they need. I don't give a student right. what they want. That's, my, my focus as a sensei is not to give you what you want. It's to give you what you need. And if you're here for the right reasons and we have the right connection, you're going to like what you're getting, okay? But the issue isn't I'm not motivated by your personal expectations in the sense of mm-hmm. of you wanting more uh, of what you want. I'll do what I can to address that, but I'm always going to put the needs of that inner self that I see in you First, and that means I'm gonna keep you out of that comfort zone. I'm gonna test you. I'm gonna task you. I'm gonna believe in you. I'm gonna move you in that direction that forces you to understand that you need to be accountable for yourself. You need mm-hmm. to start making wise choices. You are responsible for the choices you make. You are responsible for the fears that you allow to impact you. And the only way for us to deal with those fears is to deal with the psychology of this. Is that mm-hmm. how do we start looking honestly at the things that move us and motivate us and impact us, either positively or negatively? So, you know, I mean, Tony's making some points that I think is what all the senseis are trying to struggle with. Is how do, I, mm-hmm. how do I walk the line between business and tradition? How do, I, how, do I, how do I make that happen? And we do it one day at a time. And we do it just as long exactly. as we're aware it needs to be done. Exactly. There's one day at a time. Exactly. Yeah, let's you know, we're so, calling okay. Greg. Oh, we have three. Right. We have three people waiting. I'm going to bring on uh, a Skype caller right now. Yeah, we actually have three Skype caller. You're on the air live on the Dynamic Dojo. Who's this? One one. Hello, one. Skype caller. One one, one one one. Or maybe even a Facebook caller. I don't know. It's, it could hello? be a Facebook caller. One one one. <laughs> Okay, everybody say, everybody say hello. Hello. Okay, that didn't help because I heard like That's four it. people say <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I'm going to bring on a very familiar voice that 
a very okay. familiar voice that called in. And please help me welcome, of course, the CEO of the Madison Hall of Fame and a good friend, uh, Sanji Daniel. Are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you? Hi, good. 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 <laughs> right on. What's up, hey. brother? I was uh, listening to some very good dialogue by by uh, one of my very good friends, Greg Woldridge. How you doing, Greg? I am good. How about, you? How about yourself, my brother? Outstanding, and he couldn't have said it better. You know, we as uh, as uh, senseis and teachers, we we need to give our students what they need and not what they think they mm-hmm. need. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. Hey. I was I was just going to tell Soke that um, I actually used a quote of yours today with a private student. Oh, really? I have a, uh, yeah, I did. No, it, it's the, um, you know, I, my job is to teach you what you need, not what you want. And I went, oh, wow, that that's going to work out because we have Greg on tonight. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. But, you know, I have a Tai Chi student that wants to learn the fighting aspect of it, and he's stuck. He's so stuck, you guys. He's stuck on the physical aspect of it. And I keep yeah. telling him, this is what you need to, you know, get, well, how, how do I put it? He he looks so much to the physical part, you know, like, how is this moving slow crap going to help me with moving fast? And it's kind of like, well, slow equals smooth, smooth equals fast, fast equals, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and I said, dude, you know, I need you to just kind of like chill and open your mind for a second here. Okay, you can do all of these moves that we're doing slow, you can do them fast, but if you can't do it slow, there's no way you're going to be balanced when you're fast. There's no way you're going to be able to grapple or kick or punch, you know, with any kind of, with any kind of force or keep your wits about you when you're, when the shit hits the fan and you're scared out of your mind, you know, Absolutely. I, I, I said, I, my goal, and, and then he goes, why do we always have to do like like this exercise where we're doing like something called silk railing? Why do we always have to do this? What does this have to do with fighting? I'm like, dude, it's my job. You pay me to to teach you. So it's my job to teach you what you need, not what you mm-hmm. want. And I went, oops, mm-hmm. hey, cool. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, absolutely. People, people don't like hearing that. They don't. They, you know, they, they nod their head. They'll, they'll nod their head and they'll go, oh, I see. But, you know, deep down inside, they don't want to hear that. They want what they want. And sometimes I think people expect you to teach them what they want because they pay you, you know. Right. And it's like, you know, and that's kind of where where um, what I'm dealing with, Tony, also, is that not only the line of, uh, well, it's not really a line because, like, every child and every adult that I teach, I have to teach individually, you know, in the group, because, you know, like you said, you know, they may be taller, not so fast, or maybe even faster, or don't have the same mindset. You know, you, as teachers, we all have to do that. But, you know, the, the, the line for me that I sometimes have a problem with is, is when people think that you owe them something, mm-hmm. you know, you, well, you, you owe know, them yeah, what think, you want, you know, like, what do you think about that? I, I agree to- totally. You know, one of the things I love, though, is after they get that aha moment, right, They all the right. questions they keep asking over and over and over, and you keep running drill after drill after, after drill, drill, and then all of a sudden they go, aha, oh, now it fits. Now everything fits. Oh, my gosh. And that's when the new – that's when they break past. That's when they – 
you know, and I've done this with second and third dons that are just like, oh, my gosh, here it is. I've been working on this for six years, seven years, and I never knew what it was for, and aha, here it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I do owe the people that train with me, I owe them to train them. That's what I owe them. And right. That's, that's what they're asking Good. me to do. And, you know, that, and that's the position that we're in, right? So right. very good, Lucy. I, I, you know, the people that are there because they pay you, you know, they can go to a, a 24-hour fitness if they want to work out. Exactly. If they want to learn exactly. what you're teaching them, then they need to submit to your teaching the way you teach. That's right. So absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah absolutely. It, is, it is what it is. But you know what? Also, Rashida, and you know, going along with what uh, Hanshi Dan is saying is that, you know what, we we can't save everybody, okay? Right, Sometimes right. people just aren't in the right frame of mind when they come to us. And no mm-hmm. matter what we do or say, they're just not ready. And we have to be open and willing to be honest about that. And, you know, mm-hmm. and do I, how hard do I fight to keep an unwilling student? Do I sacrifice right. my authority? to do what needs to be done for him to just to keep his right. paycheck, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, I, and, I, and again, all of this ties to this whole psychology topic. Our psychology as teachers in how we teach. And then when we see that psychology come out of these students in a negative or a naive or an improper manner, how are we adjusting them? Because I don't think we fix them overnight. I think what we do is we no. position them today, we nudge them to the left a little today, we nudge them to the right a little bit tomorrow. And mm-hmm. over time, those subtle changes will be just like how she said, that aha moment comes. And they go, and it's amazing to watch it. We've all seen it, all four right. of us, that says, when you see the aha moment, they go, oh, my mm-hmm. God, I got it. I just yeah. got it. You said you can get them there, right? Yeah, you get the guys in there. That's a great thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. But you know something, and along with that whole issue of what makes people uncomfortable, they don't want to hear it. The same topic of what we started this whole discussion about, which is the aftermath of, of a warrior life, the mm-hmm. aftermath of being in a state of, of distress for, you know, years on end professionally. You know, we as teachers need to prepare our students for for the aftermath of violence. Not everybody's going to be a professional like Hanshi, Dan Hecht is, or me, or certain other people. But you know what? Everyone has to walk these streets and may have to use that use their training to maybe kill somebody to protect themselves. And how do we get them to live with that? What do we What do we say to them? Do we just say, "Hey, it's not my problem. I taught you how to do it, but you know, it's not my right. responsibility to help you." You know, I'm fortunate to have Hanshi Dan Hecht as not just as a friend, but as a brother, because I got to tell all of you, I've called him at you know two o'clock in the morning on a few occasions, not in a very good frame of mind. <laughs> and yeah, I know about you. I thought you know I, I apologize for those times. Okay, you never have to what? apologize for those. But he picked up the phone. He picked up the phone for me, and he knew what needed to be said to me. Mm-hmm. Because guys so, like you know, me, I, I want to go- build in real quick on this on yeah. the topic. Okay. You know. Uh, uh, Soki here is talking about some of the stuff that goes on in a warrior's mind after conflict. Right. You know, we've got to deal with conflict, right? We can deal with conflict. It's the, the building and the understanding after conflict. And everybody thinks that military and police officers have a wired. Well, we don't. I mean, we all deal with conflict in a different 
different way. Yeah. You know, the worst the worst thing that I ever had to deal with on a job was the loss of my partner. I had nothing to do with that. That was that was a psych a psychotic uh, urban terrorist, Christopher Dorner, that killed my partner. I wasn't even there. But the traumatic aspect of that, I had to mm-hmm. deal with it very for a long time. I talked to Greg about it. I talked to Sensei Dai about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and it's still I think about I think about Keith every day. I think about what that young man would have grown up to be every single day. And I had nothing mm-hmm. to do with it. You know, I, I mean I I trained him as a as a young policeman, but it was, you know, the urban terrorist, the uh domestic right. terrorist Christopher Dorner that killed him. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, I know. Man, yeah. That's heavy, you know, and, and you know what's sad is, and I'm sure Hashi will agree, is that, you know, in the in, in the warrior realm, we typically don't talk about our troubles. We exactly. We tend to choke it down, and we just keep mm-hmm. choking it down. Because let me tell yeah. you something, if you're a cop, you're not going to go talk to a department shrink because everything you tell a department shrink, they're going to go right to command staff with. You know, yeah. I mean, we don't trust. He's a problem, mm-hmm. and you know the officers we deal with. If you're bodyguarding, if you're copping, you know, you know the truth is, you know, we don't want to be seen in a certain light very often. So we just exactly. choke it down, and we just exactly. keep choking it down. And guess what? Sooner or later, you get to the point that happened to me, and it's happened to many that you just don't have any more room to choke anything down, and it starts right. coming out of your pores. It comes out of your pores as vinegar. Mm-hmm. You're overwhelmed. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. If you don't accumulated stress. Of, of the kind of work we do. And it's, and that, that's something that at, as a professional that all of us are, we can deal with that with, how do we deal with that accumulated stress? How do we work yeah. through that? And you know how we do that is continue yeah. to train. And that was, that was what I was telling Greg before. I mean, just keep it on the mat, keep going, just do the things that you're there with. Right. So you're, you're, where's your normal? And, you know, mm-hmm. Greg went on a sabbatical. He went on a you know almost a year trip where he just traveled the world and and trained. I mean, yeah. I mean, how, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, God, I wish mm-hmm. I could do that. You know, where <laughs> you could just where where is my normal at? You have to redefine yourself, and that's and yeah, absolutely. Can help with that. Yeah. Well, you know, and that is so true. I mean, I, I, I hope everybody's listening to Hanshi Dan Hex because you know I do, and every and most of the people like me. Who, when Dan talks, we listen because he does get it. And mm-hmm. the idea is that there is an acceptance in what we do for people. You know, that's the thing. It's not, you know, you know, we can look at the rest of the world and say, well, they, you know, they love their champions and they think it's about the punch and the kick, you know, but those of us who've been there, we kind of know what the issue is. And as senseis, we should stay aware of how important it is that we stay tangible to that. That we mm-hmm. that we put that student first, even if that student doesn't quite get why we're doing it. You know, right. you know, we all, it was funny. You, all four of us, you know, Hanchi and I think Tony, we all heard the you know the illustration that was in you know uh, Joe Himes' book, uh, the math, the you know empty your empty your cup. Oh, you know, uh-huh. you, know and, uh, you know, students mm-hmm. come to us with full cups. Their, their cup yeah. is full of tea already. You know what? And everything we pour on top of it just pours off the sides. The only way that student is going to learn anything now is he's going to have to find a way to empty his cup so that it's ready to be refilled. So mm-hmm. our training should be geared about not just teaching them how to punch and kick, but helping them to empty their cup, helping them mm-hmm. to, to know that they need to empty their cup. And then once right. they know there's a need for it, how do we help them to actually do it? 
And so it's a process, and it's never going to happen overnight. That's why martial arts is a lifestyle. It's a, mm-hmm. It takes a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've trained all my life. Next, you know, I'm in my I'm 51 now, but I'm you know I'm in my late 40s calling Hachi because I'm going through some issues. And you say, well, all these years and what I didn't learn anything. No, that wasn't yeah, it at all. <laughs> you learn. You need to talk to somebody about things. I'm the only one. I you know I. I call people as well. I've talked to Greg mm-hmm. about issues. I talked to Sensei Dai. I talked to Paz. I yeah. mean, these are these are warrior issues that have to be developed and have to be talked to with warriors. You know, mm-hmm. I you mm-hmm. know, I tried the the counseling thing, right? And it yeah. didn't work for me. You know, I, mm-hmm. when I was dealing with Keith uh, Keith's murder, the counseling thing didn't work for me. You know, what worked yeah. for me is talking to talking to people that have been in the line of fire mm-hmm. right? that mm-hmm. understood what what was expected. I, you know, I, I'm still hurt by that. I mean, I'm still very, very raw about some treacherous jerk that thinks that he has the right to take someone's life because he felt he was wronged by someone else. What, right. you know, it just, I don't even want to go there, but, you know, I, I had to deal with that, and I'm still dealing with that. And I yeah. and it isn't with a counselor. It's with people like Greg, people like Rosita, people like Bob that understand the psychology of a warrior and understand, you know, there's there's nothing that will uh, bring Keith back. There's nothing that'll make sense of Keith's death. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and there's nothing that there's nothing that a counselor is going to help me understand either. But mm-hmm. I can talk about it safely among my peers that understand this stuff. Right. Well, you know, you know, I'll say one thing as a guy who, like, you know, I went through, you know, uh, some time of counseling, and uh, I kind of am in very much agreement with Hanchi that, that you know, um, I went looking. My problem is I went looking for somebody to give me the answer. I went to counselors right. for the mm-hmm. answer. They'll give right. me the answer. The truth is, the answer was in me the whole time. Right. But as Hanchi said, it, it wasn't it's hard the to counselors find that. Though. Yeah, but you know what? You find it through, as Hachi says, through your brothers yeah. and sisters in the martial exactly. way who have a kindred I guess what spirit. I meant was it's hard to realize that at the time because it happened to me. I didn't know that, you know, I could just talk to anybody that even even if they weren't a martial artist, right? You know, I was, um, like you said, I choked it down. You know, I was 19. I was very young. I choked it down and went through, you know, similar situations that weren't as violent and choked it down. And then then I was just a, 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 a hellion for like a year because I was always crabby and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, until right. I finally did find someone to talk to. But I didn't know that, you know, I, at the, like you said, there's uh, that sometimes you don't want to be seen in a certain light. Back then, since I was so young, I didn't want to be seen as weak. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, what, that's, that's honest. You know, that is yeah. one of the most honest things you can say. What you just yeah, said. Sure Amen to that. Amen yeah. to that, Rustina. I didn't, and, and I didn't you know want I to be this week. And I was, I, I didn't talk to anybody. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all right. Yeah. You get yeah, whatever. But I can yeah. go to the police station now, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. you yeah. know, but like you said, you know, toward the beginning, it's, it's like the stuff that happens afterwards, the shit that hits the fan after the shit hits right. the fan. It's like double. You know that no other. <laughs> you, that is perfect analogy. One of the things that happened recently, where we lost a, a student here that uh, uh, committed suicide. It wasn't. 
It wasn't the buildup because it was a missing student situation. It wasn't the buildup of finding that student. It was after. It was the stuff that you had to deal with after what was the hardest to deal with. It wasn't dealing with the situation at hand. It was it was trying to make sense of it after it was over. Yeah. And uh, you know yeah. you know that that is a fair, no one teaches you that right. No. They just they no. teach you how to kick and punch and fight and you know do task A, two task B, do task C, and and you know push push the mission forward. But the mission's done now. Now what do you do? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I didn't did I, even talk to my own instructor about it. I mean, that's how that's how uh not wanting others to see me in a certain light I was, right. you know. Well, and tough, if he's you know, listening, a, he knows now. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's a tough it's, it's a very tough thing, but you know a friend of mine and a fantastic martial artist named Billy Burke, a military uh-huh. guy, and he, you know, he we had a discussion about this topic at a at a Thai restaurant, you know, drinking uh, drinking coffee. And we were talking about the issue. And, that, you know, we talked about, them. what is it about, you know, some of the things that I'm feeling and other guys are feeling. And, you know, you know what he said to me? He said, you live in a hot and cold world, Greg. He said, as a mil- in, the, in the military, we go on patrols and whatever happens, we go back to, to interact and to our space with our boys that we're, we're risking with every day. We live with them. We we train with them. We go out into the, into the world with them. And you are not the same. You go into the job from a cold realm. You leave your house, you hit the switch, and you go into the war zone. And then when your shift is over, you go back to the cold. So you go hot to cold every day, always turning on and turning off and turning on mm-hmm. and turning off. And he said, you know what, I think you need to think about the impact of that hot and cold transition. Because, Mm -hmm. and when he said that to me, it just like the light bulb went on. I just went, oh, my God, you're right. Because what happens is for guys, and I'm I'm an alpha A-type personality who, you know, that dog on the leash, you want to let go when it's time to get at it. And mm-hmm. and I wish I was a little more balanced in some ways. I can be very intense. So what happened to my light switch is it just vanished one day. Where I used to be able to turn the light switch on and off, all right. of a sudden it was gone, and I was just on. 24-7, I was on. I was mm-hmm. never off. I could never I come out not. of that mindset. Because, yeah. you know, because for me, if I wasn't confident, I was bodyguarding. If I wasn't bodyguarding, I was teaching. If I wasn't teaching martial arts, I was training martial arts. And if I wasn't doing that, I was sleeping. So I didn't have any other time. Right. You know, so your whole life is immersed in the warrior way. There's no right. break. What happens mm-hmm. is it's easy just to forget that there's a switch. Yeah. That you have lost track of that. And now you're in that state where you're just in a perpetual state of on that mm-hmm. if you're not careful, will consume you. Mhm. Mhm. I have a friend that calls it the tiger switch and and uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer that if you're always got the tiger switch on, you won't know to when to pull back your claws. It'll right. they'll always be out and you start hurting people around you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, sure. from it. So, yeah. Pretty Now you're hitting wild. the topic. I mean, Hanshi, what do you think about that? Yeah, I I agree 100%. You know, I have I have to have outlets outside of what I do, and I do. And I'm a, I, I do education. I you know, I do things outside of the warrior way, just so I'm not always fighting. I don't right. want to be. I don't like to fight, right? So I, I 
I try to avoid it when I can. And it, because it's, it's, it's difficult to get out of that mindset once you're in it. So you find mm-hmm. other things and you, and you do other things to round yourself out. And then when the Japanese uh, samurai, and I, and I read this someplace and I'm trying to think of the author, but they encourage people to have a, a, a an artistic outlet. Mm. One of their words yeah. are an artistic outlet. So, you know, whatever that artistic outlet is, if mm-hmm. it's golf for that matter, tennis, I don't care what it is, as long as it's not fighting warriorism, you know, something other that you're good at. And you know, you know what I found out that good martial artists are good at everything they do. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's true. That's very, very mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Very, I, I want to tell our listeners, I want to tell our listeners um, again what our phone number is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. And I also want to uh, just put a, a like kind of a bug in the ear of our listeners. Um, speaking of books, there is a wonderful book that I've read cover to cover like at least uh, four times. It's called Living the Martial Way by Forrest uh, E. Morgan, and it's it's beautiful. It touches on it doesn't touch on it as much as I'd like, but it kind of touches on what we're talking about right now. But it's a it's a great book, I think, for uh, students out there uh, who are just starting in martial arts and even those, you know, in the Don ranks who have never read the book before. Check it out. Living the Martial Way. I think it's on Amazon. And if so, I'll put a link on our Facebook page. Anyhow, that's a really good book. I, uh, one of my black belts sent me that book for Christmas. Wow. You know, I gotta get it. It's a beautiful I'm gonna go get book. it myself uh, this week. Sounds great. And by the way, everybody, I, you know, you hear Hanchi Heck talking, you know, a lot of guys, I hope you realize that he's a lifetime veteran military man, and he's got 30-plus years in law enforcement, and he's an active police chief in California right now, I mean, in the Midwest now as we speak. And, you know, um, I just went, I was lucky to have uh, him to turn to to talk with. Um, and mm-hmm. that's the thing I think I want people to realize is that when you are going through these moments, you got to find somebody that not only that you trust to talk to, but also has a background that they might be able to assist you. You know, right. it doesn't help you to spend your time throwing pearls before swine. You can have a great friend, but if he's a, if they're kind of a moron and aren't are not thinking in the proper manners, you got to be careful who you're trusting with the important issues of your life. And, exactly. you know, so, you know, you got to, and if you find somebody with, that you have that really understands who's walked it just like you've walked it, because the truth yeah. is, everything we've all gone through, none of us have the corner on the market. We're all, there are many people who've done far more or far less, but we all share that common reality that you, we hit that point at sometimes where you just need a little bit of help. And I think mm-hmm. it should start in the dojo. I mean, I think when we have our students, and especially when we get to the advanced levels, and we're starting to talk about uh, uh, throat attacks and, and soft tissue attacks and, and, and you know, all these type of issues, you've got to, you want to make sure that you're really teaching the psychology that they need to be aware of along with it. Because yeah. we don't want to give a gun to a kid. You know, you got to make right. sure they're aware that they're responsible. Yeah, right. You know, right. and without that, you know, what do you have? What do we have? without that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Greg, Greg, I'm going to bring somebody else on, a longtime friend of ours that uh, has been actually waiting on hold for a long time. He's an eighth Dan in Lima Lama. Uh, let me bring on the line, uh, Shion Mike Rivera. Shion, are you with us? Hey, Cubby. I sure am. Hi, hey, Shion. How are you? Hey, how are you guys? How you doing? 
Hey, Funky, how's it going? Wow, the, the Masters are all, all coming on the show tonight. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't now miss it. I wouldn't miss it. It was great. Now we can I, I just, the last caller on. Wait, I think they hung up. <laughs> well, one you know, one, I'm, one. It's, it's just that what I, what, the thing that I wanted to say was that I've been doing this for 51 years now, and I've never Ooh. met better instructors or better Better instructors are better people than uh, than 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 than, than, than Rusty and Fifu Bob and of course Silky right. Greg. They're just wonderful people. And yeah. uh, as a matter of fact, Silky Greg's um, we teach us, uh, we go to the park on Sherman Oaks, and I have both my son and my daughter taking the classes because I believe <laughs> this is the closest that yeah. they can get to real martial arts. And and not the crap that they're teaching in schools right now. You know, it's like I said, it's, it's only yeah. for the money, and it's it's this is what you're gonna learn, and this is what you're gonna do. No, I, I always wanted, and my 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 when I was teaching was the same thing: the student to the style, not the style to the student. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, Sean Mike. Hey, Sean Mike. I want I want everybody to know about you real quick. Everybody, not only does he have 51 years in the martial arts, he's a Vietnam War vet with a mm-hmm. with a story that would. Let me tell you what, he is that quintessential Vietnam vet, the stories you hear about, okay? This mm-hmm. is the guy. Yeah. And yeah. just to have that now, yeah. 51 years in the martial arts, and to have him in our family and to have a chance to learn from him and talk to him, he gets everything, just like Hanshi Heck does. And I mean, this is, I, I love you. I love you, Sean, Mike, because you're fantastic. Thank you. It was, just a, it was a great honor. It was a great honor to be um, Silky Greg um, was, you know, promoted me. He gave me a Sihan a, a rank of fifth degree black belt in his system. Um, he's just a, a very knowledgeable, warm person. I mean, he, the man knows what he's talking about. It's not mm-hmm. crap and bullshit that you that you know. I mean, it's just really stuff that you think about. Is you know, you're right. You know, it should be. You know, it's just how it should be. Mm-hmm. So I just you know just call. And um, I, I've been to the CETUS class. I was, uh, 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 I'm blabbing again. But uh, and uh, when I went to her class with my daughter, when we visited Washington, we went straight to her building. She's a very warm person. She showed us all around. She's a beautiful person. And we really had a lot. Of, I really had a lot of fun in her classes. And I learned oh, something. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I always want to learn. I'm never like, okay, well, Lima Lama's the only thing, and that's no, 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 no. That's that's people think that way. I wanted to learn something new. I see for Bob comes down to the class in Sherman Oaks. He shows us new. He shows us a different weapons movement, different weapons techniques. We have we have uh, like like you said, uh, um, Billy Burke comes down, shows us knife mm-hmm. techniques. So the students get an all well round rounded uh, picture of really really good, really self defense martial arts. Really, uh, yeah. you know, fighting against multiple opponents. And then Sucky Greg comes down there and beats the hell out of everybody. But you see, she knows right. how he that, exactly. out of <laughs> you know, when, they, when they pick you up and they shake you like this and they throw you on the ground, you know why he did that, you know? <laughs> but he really is oh uh, a very knowledgeable person. He really is. And I hope to see <laughs> you come down pretty soon. I'll pay for all that after the, after the phone call. I'll give you the money for that. I've got the mail thing on, Greg. Let's bring okay, on somebody okay. else. Uh, okay, well, I just told you. Sion got Jacoby has just joined us on the line. Sion. Oh. Hello. What's up, Sion? Christina, Bob. Hello. Mike, how are you? How are you? 
I'm sorry, I, that was me on the 111 call. I didn't know that was me. Either. Oh, I thought it was you. <laughs> I thought it was. I kept texting him. Like, where are you? I didn't so get the text. Oh, wow. Silky, as usual. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Silky, as usual, you are a highly persuasive speaker, great communicator. Uh, it's it's not a subject that not only isn't taught, but there's there's really not a lot of understanding about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, a, as a sensei, you know, in a reactive system, we're trying. Oops. And the trick here is you want to give the student the appropriate amount of temperance with what you're teaching him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you don't want to cause him to hesitate or be lost yes, I... in the moment. Yes. Know? And that's that's what I'm asking you is how do you accomplish that? Uh, because you're not going to go through this kind of post-traumatic stress disorder until you go through it, right? Until right. you cause damage, destruction. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so I, I'm just wondering the yellow belts, the green belts, the brown belts, how do you bring them along? I mean, it's threat recognition, it's appropriateness of response, but you know, you still got to tell them, hey, when you you kick that guy's knee out, he may never walk right again. You take that eye out, he's never going to see again. Uh, yeah. You kill him, and his you kill him and his family. Uh, responsibilities to his family are unfulfilled. So yeah, they're they're tough questions, you know. Well, you know what. Think about this. You know what, Sean, Scott, that's a really good point you made. I think I can't speak for everybody else, but I have a goal that I have with every student is that I want to understand who they are well enough to know where their comfort zones mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And then once I can I identify their comfort zone, yeah, and once we identify the comfort zone, I push them two feet outside of that comfort zone every single session. So the idea that the way I'm stretching that student is never too much. It's always where they're never comfortable. They're always having to reach and dig deep. They're always having to scratch their head when they don't have an understanding of what it is. And so, and that comfort zone grows bigger and bigger and bigger the more we stretch them. So, and that's the daily training regimen. That's why as, as Sensei's and as Shion's, we show up all the time. We're there at class every day. Whether the student, whether the student, What's that? So I think somebody. I think somebody yeah, has their on the computer line, speakers on. Um, oh. So and it's about feedback. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, but you know the idea though is it goes back to since it's us living the daily one day at a time instructing life is that we take the student every time we get them and we stretch them a little bit more than we did the day before. And what mm-hmm. happens is is their base of knowledge, their base of skills expands as they are having to expand. So that balance between what they want and what they need really becomes the issue. And how do I give them both? and still maintain the integrity of the art and my commitment to the student exactly. at the same time. Exactly. Because that, that's, a, that's a common question I, I hear with teachers that teach kids, right? I mean, there, there has to be a certain amount of tweaking the curriculum for, for the kids, but not at the expense of sacrificing the art, right? I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to just play games, for every lesson. No, I want my kids to like work also. But the, and the trick is, is 
you know, how do you get those kids to work? And I, I, I used to tell my own uh, black belts this. I said, if you can teach kids to do what you think they would need for that particular week, you can teach adults because some yeah. of us yeah. as adults, you know, we we can still um, understand uh, understand the, the, the simple uh, way of understanding things and stuff like that. Um, yes. I, I just think the problem is, though, is that adults, I think the problem is, is that some adults expect from us a an upper level kind of you know Yoda kind of thing, wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, yeah. maybe. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you guys think? Because I agree with you that I think students come thinking that we have all the answers, and yeah. the first thing that you have to let them understand is that I don't that we don't have all the answers, but what we do exactly. have are some life experiences that we can share with them to help them find their own answers. Because there are no answers in this life; we all have to walk our own path. The only the beauty of the sensei is that. For a time when I'm with that sensei, he's walking right next to me, sharing his path with me and allowing me to find mine. So, you know, the idea that no one has the answers, but the truth is to to pretend that the issue that we're talking about of the psychology of the aftermath of a warrior life, it needs to be talked about now. I think it should be discussion in the martial environment now. We should have... You know, Hanshi and I, I'm, I'm writing right now about it, and he, he's encouraging me to, to do some writing on this topic. And, um, you know, um, the idea is that how do we help senseis that are in play right now to start stepping up and recognizing that there is a need for this, that they're not helping their students um, if they're not preparing them in totality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to teach them how to punch and kick, man, but after the punch and kick is done, he's got to go home or she's got to go home to to the wife and husband and kids. And how do they deal with that when they get there? Do they just turn off? Do they go, as soon as, the, as soon as the husband or wife says, hey, honey, how was your day? You just look at them and walk past them. That was me. Right. I didn't so I, mm-hmm. I stop talking to people. You know, mm-hmm. so that's not a healthy way to be. You know, but the thing was is there were no answers. And I wasn't looking. I stopped talking to people. And then, you know, you have great friends like Hanshi Hecht and, my, you know, and a few other, just a few other people for me that, you know what, they just, they, they understood me, never judged me, and understood how to talk to me. And guess what? It flipped me around. It gave me the perspectives mm-hmm. I needed to make mm-hmm. the steps. And I'm the first one to admit that I'm not perfect. I am, I am a weak individual. I'm a weak man. I did have, I, and I still do have issues with, with many things from the past. I'm working through them. But that's going to be a part of my life moving forward. So I embrace it now. I don't choke it down. I don't hide from it. I share it now. I give it away freely in the hopes that others may glean something of importance from it. And, and that's, that's just that simple for me. It's really that's what it's about. That's really well said, Greg. Yeah, that's really well Uh said. You know, if you try to bury this and you try to choke it down, it just ends up choking you. You know, you can't you can't hold this this type of uh, emotional distress to yourself. You've got to get rid of it one way or another. If that's on the mat, if that's on the phone with me, it doesn't really matter. Uh So you, you know, my phone is always open. So. Uh, I take phone calls all night, most of the nights anyway. It's not a big deal. 
<laughs> I have a question for do. all of you. I have a question for all of you. It's kind of a it's kind of uh, kind of ph- philosophical, but I I think it has to do with with the subject that we're talking about. Um, from each of you, could you give our listeners what you think the difference between well, what's the, what do you guys think is the difference between a warrior and someone that just kicks ass? A warrior and an ass kicker. What's the difference? Who wants to start? I'll let one of you guys go with that. <laughs> Who wants to start? Bob. You know. You? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on what aspect. Oh, oh yeah. I, I thought I was on mute for a second. It depends on what aspect. You talking ring? You talking street? An ass oh, kicker well. is a bully. They're out looking for a fight. A well, warrior's out there protecting. In the, no, in the, case, the warriors out there protecting life, life and limb for other people. They're protecting their family. They're protecting our country. They're protecting the citizens. It's a you know, I think, I'll be honest with you, I think the warrior aspect is that single mother or father every day going to work every single day raising their kid to be a to be a, a strong, productive part of this hey, of this world. There you go. Doing two, doing right. two jobs. Doing two mm-hmm. jobs and still showing up for the kids' basketball game. Yeah. I mean, the term warrior has a, a many, many, many meanings. It depends on what what the meaning is that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Never quitting. Never quitting. That's right. Never quitting. Never quitting. I mean, Getting it back up. You get beat up. You get beat up. You get back down. You, you get beat down. You get back up. No matter how hard. No matter how depressed you are. You just keep plugging. That's warrior, mm-hmm. man. It's life. Yeah, yeah right. abso- absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and you guys, it's interesting that that uh, you know every person that we know, everybody has a warrior inside of them. And I think a part of the martial art training is trying to introduce them to that inner warrior, because many people don't realize that they have an inner warrior. They mm-hmm. say, "Oh, a warrior? That's not me. It's somebody else." And you go, "No, no, it's not just you. It absolutely is you." You know, and as instructors, we have the great honor of helping them to find their warrior self. We don't find it for them. They find it themselves. But we're there along the path to help guide them to do that, you know. And we're there for the aha moments, you know, when mm-hmm. they get that taste. They, never, they can never come back from it. It changes them in the moment. And that's what I love about the martial arts, everybody, and everybody listening, is that your life can change in an instant. Amen. With, mm-hmm. with one decision, right? With, with, with yeah, one decision. One decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I think the question is, you know, what you know, where where is the pressure? Where is the where is the emphasis for us in the choices we make in, in teaching and in passing on the art? Do we do we do we decide to take the high road and say, listen, these these students deserve the best from us and they deserve some truth. You know, when you get somebody that's being a spoiled brat, you know, sometimes you got to tell them you're being a spoiled brat. If you got to go, you got to go. Right. If you got to go, you got to go. But the way you're acting right now, that's not going to stand, and this is why. And guess yeah. what usually happens? That student usually stays because yeah. people don't typically talk to him that way or her that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, essentially we got to walk the uh, – that that tightrope, but you know, I I don't really give it. If a student's tired, doesn't want to do what needs to get done. There are plenty of McDojos down the street. Get the step in. Right. Get out. <laughs> don't wait for <laughs> 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 Yeah. 
you know, right? I, I can't right? tell you there's not been more than one. There's been a couple of students that I've walked up and you know, for actions pulled the rank off their, their gi. Right. right. Yep. Actually, including a brown belt. Yep. Just pulled the rank uh-huh. off their gi. You no longer That's train right. with me. Yeah. I issued you this rank. You no longer train with me. And pulled it off and let them go. I mean, it, that's right. You gotta cut that loose, you know, especially if you get somebody in there that's gonna cause dishonor to you and the art that you're teaching them. You gotta that's cut right. that stuff loose. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Right. Absolutely, Hanshi. Absolutely, absolutely. You know. But you know, you're talking. But if you look at the group of people on this phone right now, you're looking at a very, you know, a very true elite group of martial artists who are very committed to the past. And, you know, they love the art, and they love the people enough to give them what they need, even if that means they got to go down the street. And because, you know, the thing is, my, what I give you today may not impact you today. It might be five years from now that you'll think back, and there's going to be that aha moment of what Sensei Greg said to you or what he did with you that got you through this next step down the road. We just uh-huh. never yeah. know what our purpose or plan for us is with a student. So we just have to yeah. show up every day. Because, right, you know, remember when we were young warriors, we didn't we didn't listen open with our ears open. We were too busy yeah, kicking right. and punching. You know, we yeah, were right. we right. were our physical our physical best at that time and we were you know, what do what does the old guy know? He he he's he's over there talking, I'm over here fighting, you know, well you know, we do know. <laughs> so, <laughs> isn't that the truth, though? Oh, I was that way when I was a young, young karate guy. You just raised me, man. I was like, wow, I was like that. Oh. <laughs> Let me. Uh, I I was Ichi San. I thought everybody came in the dojo. Oh, <laughs> That's just the way it was. You, you know, somebody wow. come in talking smack, I put them down. That's just the way it was. That's who I was. You bring a good point up, Hunty Dan, about how, you know, if we look back, you know, we too were, we didn't listen because we were too busy punching and kicking or we were too busy being full of piss and vinegar, you know, stuff like that. And, and, um, and, you know, some part of me sometimes wonders, you know, should, should we kind of allow the students to undergo that as part of their training you know, as we teach them about all the aspects of the warrior way, you know what I mean? I'm going to tell you what happened to me. Okay. I'm going to tell you what happened to me. So you're right. You should. You should allow them to grow. So I was Ichi-san. Anybody came in the dojo, I handled, right? That's just the way it was. So, but my head got bigger than, my ego got bigger than than it should be. And one day this young guy comes in, he was a third degree Taekwondo black belt, and he came in talking smack and, uh, uh, oh, Sensei said, uh, set this guy down, and I set him down, right? Uh-huh. This guy seen that, okay, well, he's got something to learn here, so he kept coming back. But he uh-huh. changed his attitude, right? He started coming back to train. But he wanted yeah. to fight me. He'd never been beat like he'd been beat, you know, he's never been beat like I beat him. So he went up to Sensei Sanchez and said, how do I beat Danny? And uh, he mopped the floor <laughs> with me after about three minutes. Of talking to O Sensei, he mopped the floor with me after three minutes of talking my, to my instructor. So, what? I, I mean, just a couple minutes, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the guy. He just came to beat me, right? And I couldn't, I couldn't find my feet. I 
I was at the end of the I was on the floor more than I was breathing. I so <laughs> you know, you That's just hilarious. Gotta, Yeah, I, I I learned a very humbling lesson. I guess I guess you know, it, is Humility. The, it is part of the growth process. <laughs> it is. It is. Now we have another caller from uh, a little local LA caller and I'm gonna bring him on. Uh, okay. Area code eight one eight. First three numbers, four and seven, eight. You're live on the air with Dynamic Dojo. Who am I speaking with? It's Mike. Mike who? Do you want to read a little more information, Mike? Mike, Mike from Sherman Oaks, from the KC. Oh! Mike Odo. Mike Odo. How are you doing? Soki, Sensei. Oh, how are you? What's going on, guys? How are you doing, Mike? Good, good, good. You know, you guys were talking about the students and how far you guys should push the students. I figured a student should, should call in. Good. I love it. So what are you, what are you, what are you going to share with us there, uh, Mike? Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, as far as uh, being a student of everybody that's uh, that's on the phone right now, uh, Ristita, I remember you coming and teaching us a little. Uh, um, oh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh um, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember uh, tai that Chi, class. Tai Chi on the pad there. Yeah, uh, we about Billy quite Burt, a few years uh, ago. Teaches in knives. Yeah, mm-hmm. quite a few years ago. But uh, you know, we take everything you know and just get to work with all you guys. It's an honor, you know. Uh, Love it. As far as how, how hard to push the students, we don't have to show up there, you know. So uh, if we want to show up, we'll we'll put in the work, and you guys you guys don't hold back on us. It's for, it's it's great. Well, well, you know something. Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Uh, well, I have. You know, we were talking about somebody pushed him hard, and you know, Greg's a pussy cat when it comes to his testing abilities. Right when he's testing you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! 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 Tony was figuring it out. I'm gonna, you know, this whole, we, you know, all of having all of you be a part of this whole discussion tonight is a very special moment for me because it it, it, it reminds me of how very rich my life is because of the brothers yeah. and sisters that I have in the martial arts uh-huh. and the yeah. impact it's had. But you know what? Yeah. But it's a challenge to all of us. Yeah. To now to to, to not forget this discussion about what it means to prepare our students for the aftermath. And, you know, and, and you know, in truth, nobody has the answers as to how to exactly do that. But what we do do is we show up every day. We're there when they make the phone call. We pick up the phone call when they call. We're there when they show up for class. We're honest with them when they're doing things good, and we're honest with them when they're things, doing things that – they need to re, re, reassess. And yeah. we do that not out of anger or not out of judgment. We do mm-hmm. that out of love and dedication to the art. And as long as we put the art, we put them first and we adapt the art to them and we stay truthful with what we do and we come from the heart with what we do, I truly believe people listen. And they may not listen today, but guess what? I'm going to keep at you every day. So sooner or later, you're going to quit or you're going to open up and you're going to make that move. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just think we're all, I think we all owe it to ourselves not to forget the topic, to every now and mm-hmm. then think about this issue and ask ourselves how can we 
better prepare our students for the aftermath because that, too, is a part of what we do. We just don't teach them how to punch and kick. We Uh have to prepare them how to Mm -hmm. live with it when you didn't intend to kill somebody. If you do have to kill somebody, what do you do when you go home after you kill somebody? You know, if somebody lost a father, somebody lost a son, and you did Uh it. And then you right. know, your wife says, hey, honey, how was your day? And you, I know you look at her and go, hey, just walk right by her. Because you right. know how to process We don't, you know, and, and I should have had a different perspective about that as an artist. But the truth was, I really wasn't prepared as thoroughly as I had realized, as I had hoped for. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, it's incumbent upon all of us to just take this topic seriously, to keep talking about it. And that's what I want, is for further discussion to be had that mm-hmm. this isn't the end of it, that we talk about it, that we go, hey, there's mm-hmm. no right or wrong here. There's no, there's nobody better than anybody else. But we mm-hmm. all have issues in our life that we are maybe struggling with. And if we can find a way to, to tangibly give that to others in a way that helps them make better choices, then I think that is what this yeah. is all about. Yeah. Definitely. Very well said. Yes, yeah, very well said. Like, there's a lot of thought going into that. One tenth of a second, you have to make a decision. It's one point yeah. five tenths of a second, you know, whatever it is. That that Minnesota, uh, that that small amount of time that you need to make a, a life and death situation, you've got a lifetime to deal with it. And right, and it's Fair not enough, always you, that right, you know, you know it's, it's not, not always easy. right. So, it, it, and it shouldn't easy. be right. It shouldn't be when you make those kind of decisions. It's mm-hmm. those kind of decisions are. There's, they shouldn't be easy to make, right? They, and right. we should we should have to reflect on that stuff. So, um, exactly, yeah, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard <laughs> thing to go through. And you know, the, we're we're just. I'm just happy to know somebody that I can talk to when I have something to talk. When I have something that's bothering me, why I can call Greg and say, "Look, I need you to walk me through this." And right. you know, right. and Greg you know, and I see that same comment out. I'll jump yeah. on the plane as well. I'll be on a plane in yep. two hours for you, brother. Yeah. You know, but See, you know, and this yeah, is what we need. We need that. You know, it's nice to know that that we as teachers have that support group in a sense, right? Because you know, yeah. everything that we've talked about over the last two hours, definitely, I agree, Soke Greg, that this is something that all martial arts teachers or teachers of the way, or even you know, anyone that teaches this kind of uh, stuff need to address and talk about and, and ask themselves questions about it because, you know, there's so much romanticized uh, uh, versions yeah. of what the way of the warrior or Budo is, you know, in Hollywood yeah. and and in the movies and stuff like that. Just so many romanticized um, outlooks uh, that people no, have. Uh, uh, especially uh, with young okay, are you there? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, Sensei Scott... You know, has always always been my direction. Say, Soke always there, even though he he may be in Chicago, or whatever. They always made me feel at home. I always felt like a loner all through life. And since they Scott always reiterated, you know, you're this person because of this. There's something inside you uh, about the martial way that I linked to, and I felt at home. I never felt at home. As much as I did at Kang Swando, I never, ever can call it. I did bare knuckle Muay Thai tournaments. I did, you know, MMA stuff. I, 
special, um, all that stuff, that, you know, that's great. And, and I fit to it and I related to it. And it was athleticism more than anything. It wasn't really about martial arts and, and street. But Sensei Scott always made me feel at home that way where I wasn't um, lost. Um, the past has gotten my way, and it's totally helped me. Uh, in, in every which way, I may have my ups and downs, and but when I'm down now, it's not as bad as when I was down before. <laughs> I always feel these, these guys with me. Soki, Sensei Scott, all the students, uh, always feel like they're with me. I feel like Socian uh, is is with me through them. Yeah, hey, Scott, you still there? I am, Soki. What do you say? What do you have to say to that? Well, you know, I'm I'm always. Uh, Humbled when uh, one of the students uh, is affected in a positive way. You know, I mean, I'm out there, as we all are, trying to do our best, trying to pass it on. Um, you know, Tony and I have a lot of experience together, and um, I'm happy that Tony has found a positive force in his life because he was, uh, Tony, you, you could have gone either way. Yeah, you're a beast, Tony. You know? You're that scary. You're that scary guy, you know, Tony. That if you'd gone the other way, that would have been that. So go ahead, Scott. I just want to throw that in there. So I, I just, you know, Tony and I have spent a lot of special time together. You know, we've talked a lot, and uh, I'm just happy to see him have some peace in his life. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it continues. You're going to continue to have some turmoil, Tony, right? But you train and you find kind of a tranquility through the training, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we talk yeah. the same way. You know, Soki, you were talking about talking to Hanchi. You know, Tony and I talk like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's there's martial issues. We talk about it. Sometimes it takes two, three hours, right, Tony? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> over a few beers yeah. and, you know. But, uh, you know, it's a very special brotherhood. I know some of my students are listening on the phone, and I'm glad you got to catch up with Soki and listen to some of these other great martial artists and their views. It's a very important subject. You know, mm-hmm. we train to be realistic, but there is a price to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to keep that in mind. Hey. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I have one question for Hunt, for, uh, for Steve and Bob, Steve and Bob. Uh, you know, in all this, in the years you've had this show now, how often has this topic been uh, been approached in the manner that we all as a family tonight did. You want to go first, Has Bob, because because we've you know we've touched on it, but it's you know it. I forget who which guest that we've touched on it with, but it's always been kind of like a a passing thing. We never had a show which was devoted to the subject exactly. Right, right. and you know when right. when Bob approached me with with this subject. I was on it. I'm like, let's do it because we've never done it. I mean, like any time that we've touched on it, it was because it was like an offshoot of some other question. And you know what, you guys, I think we should have another show on this because we've only got 90 seconds left of the show. Um, I think we've only only scratched the surface about this because we're talking about the aftermath, right? Um, I'd like to get all of us, if possible, on for another show to talk about that, you know, Split second that Hunchy Down was talking about, and Absolutely. what part of the warrior mind decision 
You know, is it ego? Is Great it question. anger? Is it, you know, what, you know, what part of the warrior mind makes that? And I'd like to do that, like, within the next couple months. So all right, yeah. let's all say goodbye before you get cut. Yeah. Okay. Hey, guys, all I right. love all of you. And I'm honored to be part right. of your family. Awesome. Thank you. all of you for joining us. And thank you, listeners, yeah. for listening to this very important topic. Stay tuned for another episode on this very topic right here on Dynamic Dojo. We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye now. Uh, uh, boss. Uh,